The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to a post-vacation edition of the Power Cat Podcast. Of course, it was my vacation. Heck with these guys. Tim Fitzgerald, Rada Gates, and Zach Carlson. We are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, our longtime sponsor. And I'd like to thank everyone at the Fridge for sticking with us through all these times and make sure you stop in the fridge with all your liquor needs and uh they probably got game of thrones wine on sale no nah, this show's dead nobody likes it anymore i heard yeah. the finale sucked no yeah. it was fine people were pissed <laughs> i know well that's just that's just society today if they don't get exactly what they want how they think it should go then they're upset i heard there were a lot of questions that were left unanswered yeah they did do you ever really? Well, they're life... setting it up so somebody can pick it up and run with it, like yeah. Netflix or someone. Yeah, probably. Probably. Aren't there like two spinoffs in development? Yeah, one we know about is like a prequel, but like five thousand years and before. Mm, it's like five thousand years. That seems like a long time. Don't some of these people live forever though? Mm. Aren't dragons immortal? No, they're. Aren't they fake? <laughs> Don't Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's ranting. it's just fake fits. <laughs> Do you see that Aaron Rodgers went off about like what Game of Thrones? He was like, "This person had a better story. That person had a better like he, uh, whoever it ended on. I don't know." He said like they made it about someone with an awful story, and everybody else had a better story, and it should have been more centered around them or something like that. I don't know. He went off. It was a funny video, and I don't even watch the show. He was just an extra in the show, though. Let's be real. He blew up. <laughs> He was blown up in the in the show. He should have no opinions. Yeah. Hey, you spent the whole show wondering who it was about, and it turned out to be about someone, and uh, you, nobody liked it. But yeah, it makes man, it makes sense to me. It it makes perfectly good sense to me if you step back and get your emotions out of it. Speaking of lack of emotion, here I am. I'm back. You need I'm, some caffeine? I do need caffeine, but I've already had caffeine. Ah, and we're taping yeah, in the more. morning, so... I decided I probably should hold off. Off morning caffeine and an afternoon caffeine. Yeah, that's what what I typically try to do is space it out so I don't have a heart attack. I think a heart attack would be bad, but what a way to go, caffeine up. Wait, you've already had some this morning? Mm-hmm. The morning's barely happened yet. I know. We're early morning here. Well, I'm my schedule's massively screwed up coming back from Hawaii. Uh, I woke up at 7, which was 2 o'clock in Hawaii, 2 a.m. in Hawaii. Yes. Two days after returning. So I'm just kind of a mess. You know, it's not a mess. Is WTC Kick Pirate Studios. They look fresh. I came back in. I go, hey, this is where I work. This is nice. Welcome back. It's nice. It smelled good. It smelled, it smelled clean. Did you clean? I didn't clean. So. Did it smell like new house? It did a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. We got a, a flower randomly growing out of a crack in our wall out front. Did you notice that? Oh, it's no. kind of weird. It's like, how did you? You're an annual, and you're sorry. I've been lo- I locked myself away in the office, and I've just been yeah. You've been cranking. You've <laughs> I've always just been in front of my computer. You know, a public shout out to all you guys uh, 
Fritch and Wally included, just kicked butt while I was gone. Uh, and I think it's freed me up for more vacations. Well, okay. considering you didn't go to a single road game last year, I think that <laughs> it was on the cards. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that'll be a tradition that continues. I don't know. I'll probably go to some, but... You can make KU. I, I know I'm not going to make Austin. You can make KU. <laughs> I can make KU. I, I know I'm not going to make Austin. I'll be, oh, I wonder why. I'll be unable to be there. I already booked the hotel for I'm going to have Vegas. to write the basketball re- recap for the game that he covers <laughs> in person. <laughs> well, hold on here. That's not a bad While idea. I'm covering the football game, mind you not. <laughs> yeah, you know. We need an intern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Stuff happens. Uh, like I said, we're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and our first segment sponsored by our good friends down at Tanner's. Get into Tanner's. It's summer, folks. If you're scared of Aggieville, don't be scared anymore. Get into Tanner's. Go watch some Royals. If you're scared, don't be scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> Here we go. It's questions from Wild Bass Station and Zach Carlson. From Canelio, is Isaiah Zuber's departure any sort of game changer for the offense this fall? No, no just a little. I don't think it. It's not going to change the offense how they run it. I think it'll change out you know their ability to run it, but they're not going to. Oh, maybe I misunderstood the question because I would say it is a massive changer in terms of what you, you lose your passing attack for. I don't want to say the entirety of it, but damn near a lot of it. Well, I mean, personnel wise, it's a. Um, it, it hurts, but you don't know who's going to emerge. You, you know, when you got a new coaching staff, maybe. Zuber wasn't going to, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I'm just, I, I, when you go through a transition, stuff happens. But it sounds like what happened here was going to happen no matter what. I mean, you know, there's two strikes, three strikes. I mean, the old debate over Corey Sutton, how many strikes you get. I think he was past that. Got a, got a few extra foul balls in there. Yeah. So uh, it, it, this this wasn't – yeah, yeah, he's leaving because he, he wasn't going to be able to play probably. They're going to run the same offense, yeah, but it's – like I said, you don't – I don't know of any college football team, and I'm, maybe there's one out there. I shouldn't say nobody's ever done this, but who has ever lost their top running back and receiver and not returned them and had zero experience of, okay, well – that guy's there, you know. Like, I can't really point to anybody that yeah. that is the same or an equal to him. He was well, significantly the best receiver on the team last year. I continue to be more worried about running back than receiver. I think they've got young guys at receiver that can step up. Running back, they had no one except for these transfers now. So yeah. we'll see how it, it ends up. But I, um, I, I'm with a transition year. I'm kind of like, okay, okay, it's a transition year. See what happens. From Erdes Joe, is Zuber tolerated more or dealt with differently if this was Kleiman's fourth or fifth season? I think the trigger probably gets pulled quicker, doesn't it? I don't know. I think this is at the university level. I mean, I don't think this was – I think this was an athletics okay. rules that you're ineligible at some point. But it might not have gotten to the universe if if it's at the university level, it might not have gotten there if this was his fourth or fifth year. He could have a shorter leash. Yeah. I think 
It does, like people said, the message boards, it clarifies why he would just disappear under Snyder. I mean, he was, but that gets back to just a complete lack of communication. I know you can't come out publicly with medical records and say something, but you can say he's suspended. And I think they were giving him a pass with being accountable by not saying he was suspended. Make him own it. If he's doing things that lead to him not playing, don't say we just tried someone else. Say he was not eligible to play in this game for conduct detrimental to the team and himself. Boom. But I do I do think that if if indeed it was a like Fitz said a university level decision, I do think that they probably can talk to Coach Kleiman about it, and he probably was a little hesitant. I mean, if you walk into your first job and you boot your team's top receiver after one little strike or something like that it it's not a great look but if it if it starts to happen two three four whatever times and you've been here a while you're gonna probably yank back quicker from oiler cat too is that a new one riley no he's been around has he been around i don't know i don't really i don't mean rude to him i just at this point all the names are the same i don't really know who's different who's who's the same i don't know if he's asked questions but he's been on the board they've asked a question okay here we go uh who are some names coming out of spring ball with the receivers since it looks like zuber and ryzen will be gone that's uh that is really tough about that is that yeah first off hunter ryzen real quick why would you have your court date moved if you're not going to have a plea agreement by now? Well, they're probably working on it. I don't know. I figured it'd been done by now. Or, but, or, or maybe he's doing work towards that plea agreement before it's announced. And they'll announce it when it's done. So that he can prove that he's going to do it. Could be. I don't know. Anyways. Or maybe just the docket was full until they moved could, it back. Could be anything. Just has caught me off guard. Honestly, you're looking at probably, like I wrote, you're going to be relying on youth. I mean, yeah, Dalton Schoen's there. But Dalton Schoen is not going to be your wide receiver one go-to option every play. He's just not that type of receiver. He was always better out of the slot as a second or third guy than he was split out as as a one or a two. Um, You're going to have to go to Sebastian Taylor. You're going to have to go to Malik Knowles, who apparently they weren't all that impressed with during the spring, based on the comments they made. My suspicion was they were trying to push him. They, they, they know there's something there, and they weren't seeing it, and they were trying to push him. It felt Snyder-esque in their yeah. comments. Wyking Gill's going to be—I always thought Wyking Gill was going to be a big part anyways, but now he's going to be a huge part. He, he will be, and he showed in the spring game he's legit. I'm, I mean, I, he's got— some serious speed. I think one of the new guys, when the young guys will come in. But if you just look at it from that point, you got Taylor, Knowles, Gill, and Schoen. You got four dudes. Um, of course, you got to play in with injuries. I mean, that happens. So, I mean, that's a pretty good starting spot. It's not. They're clearly wanting a different receiver type than they have on the roster. If you look at their recruiting, they're going for more six-four type guys. Um, uh, you know, I again. Uh, Losing a receiver in this offense is a little bit less dramatic, traumatic, because they've shown a propensity to run the ball two-thirds of the time. So if you run, you know, 70, let's make my math easy here. (laughs) If you run the ball, if you run 60 plays in a game, you're only going to throw it 20 times. And 
you know, about spread across four receivers. We'll, we'll see. You know, and throw in the tight end who they're going to throw to. I was just about to put that in there. Half joking, half serious. Nick Linners might mess around and be the team's leading receiver this year. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it might really turn into something. Maybe, And maybe they split him out once in a while, too, because he can really run. They, they have a – Linners is kind of a secret weapon. People haven't don't know much about him because <clears throat> he's been injured. You know, he, he was back on the depth chart for whatever reason, even though everyone told me he was the best – tight end on the roster and then he got injured game one two game one and uh yeah that's right it was game one right out of the so people don't really know he, he can run he's got hands um even though he dropped a pass in game one hey he's uh it i think he's really promising i think he's he's got an nfl caliber talent if he can get it out of him from Canelio, after Daquan Patton and Elijah Sullivan at linebacker, who else are we going to see on the two deep? In your opinions, I think this is a, excuse me. I think this is a summer that maybe Eric Gallon could improve. We were clamoring for him last year, and that was one where we were wrong. <laughs> you know, we got on the field and we were like, "Oh, that's why he wasn't out there." But I do think there's something there. Um, I, and I, th- I think that – I don't know if it was necessarily even the coaching holding him back or anything. I don't think it was that at all. I think it was – I saw zero instinct from him. Just Like you could see him trying to process everything, and it, it there was no natural, I got to go make this play. He was a little too much up there. Mechanical. So, I, you know, another year in the system, new refreshing coaching staff where everybody's kind of on the same playing field with the defense. Uh, that could benefit him. Daniel Green – one of these days, we're either just going to have to go ahead and say that Daniel Green is not going to be what we all thought he would be one day, or and, and it's not like he's had an opportunity, I'm saying, but I just I feel like one of these days we're going to need to get something on him. And I feel like it might be there, and we just need to get an opportunity to see it. Um, and, and if we get the chance to see it, I think it could be pretty special, but... Um, it's just a lot of question marks around him right now. So those are really the two guys that come to my mind um, in terms of right behind them now that, you know, Justin Hughes is is sidelined for the year. Yeah, I, that's definitely an area that we're going to see some uh, guys step forward. And we just don't know yet. I mean, we, we can guess all we want, but it's just guessing. From Herta's Joe, which sport has the higher ceiling, men's basketball or football? That's a great question. Because they're kind of in the same spot right really now. They really are. They really are. <sighs> it has to be men's basketball, right? Yeah. Because you're a new coaching staff for football is coming in and taking over a program that missed a bowl game last year and is kind of lacking some talent in some areas. They've made that perfectly clear how they feel. Meanwhile, men's basketball – Loses the three best players, but brings in a, a couple decent freshmen. Um, will likely return Xavier Sneed. Has some other talented pieces that are coming back. And the margin of error is a lot. A, a margin of error is a lot thinner in football than it is in men's basketball. You, you nailed it. Because men's basketball, they can lose five games in a row and still go to the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, you can look at last season when they were, you know, co-champions of the Big 12. And they were good, but you're not going to remember them among the great K-State basketball teams. If you win the Big 12 in football, that's special. 
It's, it really means something. Not that winning the Big 12 in basketball doesn't mean something. It does. But, I mean, a football title is substantial. you got to run the gauntlet. And I think that, I think you can, so to speak, steal a basketball title, win the right games, and the other teams lose a game or two they can't afford to lose. Well, and, I mean, you kind of mentioned how you're not going to remember. Everybody's going to remember – 12-13, they'll remember this past season when you look back like, okay, when was the last time, you know, K-State was was an elite basketball team or whatever. It was a really good basketball team. And you're going to be like, well, they won the conference. But you're not going to, like you said, remember as an all-time great because why? Those two teams got bounced early. And postseason basketball, unfortunately, because of how big the NCAA tournament is, postseason basketball wipes out everything. Whereas postseason football doesn't. K-State got clobbered in the Fiesta Bowl that year. Right. But everybody goes back and they're like, oh, man, that 2012 team could have won a national championship. And you're like, yeah, but Oregon throttled them. They were clearly much better. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it was just a game that went Oregon's way. From the get-go, Oregon was clearly the better team. Literally from the, yes. from the start of the game. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the ceiling is higher in men's basketball. Um it's just it's they're both really tough sports and and football is just going to beat the living piss out of you and you uh, got to sustain it. Well, and the other factor is Bruce Weber is established. His systems are established. His his players that are coming back know what he wants, knows you know, can coach within practice. Say, "Hey, this is what coach wants." Like over the summer when they're doing stuff, they can start breaking in those players. There's a level of uh, unknown still with Coach Kleiman and his staff, even though they've gone through spring football. But uh, Bruce Weber has his program more established, and I, I think we should expect more from it because of that. Also from Herdes Joe, if you were going to draw a line in the sand for a successful year for each, what would that be? Successful year in men's basketball for the – they're all different is the sad thing. I – Yes, I have my minimum expectations for every single season, but I also go into every season with every sport, and I kind of evaluate it before I set my bar. And going into this one, the successful season in men's basketball is making the NCAA tournament and being a top-five team. Now, that's usually my expectation every year, but that's especially this year. I think they can be a top-five team. I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't be a top-five in the conference, not in the nation. I should clarify that. (laughs) And make the NCAA tournament. It's not that hard. Football, I think the minimum expectation is win six games and go to a bowl because we've laid it out multiple times here. It's not that hard to win six games. It's, you're going to get two freebies in the in the non-con. You're going to get Kansas. You're going to get a couple other bottom feeders that you should be able to beat. And I think K-State's a program that should always be a six wins. I agree with everything you said. That's exactly what I think, too. Uh, I think the comparison for football and basketball is you compare – Football's overall record to basketball's conference record. I mean, basketball, you can schedule so many useless wins. You can start out 14-0. and 0 and Yeah, you can just load your schedule. And make the NIT. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, <clears throat> so if you can go 6-6 six and six overall, I think that equates to, you know, 9-9 nine and nine in basketball play. And I think that's pretty comparable as a baseline expectation for where Kansas State's program should be. Neither one of them are in rebuild mode. Kleiman has made it clear they're not in rebuild mode. Now, you might 
say they they certainly need to recruit a some higher ceiling for some players and more depth. I think that's obvious. Uh, but they both both coaching staffs strongly believe they can go to a bowl and then go to the tournament. And and I think that's reasonable to expect that from both. I'd actually put it at seven wins for football because if you go six and six regular season, you should be winning that bowl game if you're going to have a, okay. if you're going to call it a successful season. I mean, no, not I to get I wasn't not to get yeah, not in. not to get into like ticky tack stuff. No, I, no, but, I agree with that. I would agree with that. But if you win, <laughs> if you go seven and five and then lose the bowl game, I mean, it's. If you're going to go to the cheese at Bull and Lose, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I was just about to bring that up, by the way, because um, first off, that six to seven win range puts you there. Second off, 24-7 Sports released their latest bull projections for this season, and I know that on May 28th, before the season's even started, bull projections are meaningless. However, doesn't it just feel like we're going back to Phoenix this year? I don't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it either. (laughs) We can golf with Spencer again. (laughs) We're going to play golf. I mean, that's the positive, I guess. Why why even go to the game? I hate to tell our customers this. We're going to work a lot less diligently than we did last time, and then they told us we couldn't do half the stuff we needed to do. (laughs) I know you came to cover this game, but we're not going to really let you cover it. Zach's status for the Cheez-It Bowl is in question, right? (laughs) Joke Bowl. Uh, From Infected Testicle. Uh... If K-State would have beaten North Dakota State in 2013, would Gene Taylor have been hired as the athletic director? And with a different athletic director, question. Um, he doubts Kleiman would be the new coach. Did that game have a huge impact on K-State football and athletics? Chris Kleiman definitely would not be the coach here. <laughs> Gene Taylor wasn't here. Let's just well, put that out there. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's, let's look at it from this standpoint. If they don't come to Manhattan and win in that season – do they roll? Does that affect that that program overall? People don't realize what that game did for them. Yeah, I mean that wasn't that was defending Big Twelve champions they just beat. You know, it, granted it was a, kind of a rebuild for K State, but that was significant. So the, how does that impact North Dakota State? I think the bigger question because if it if K State wins that game and North Dakota State isn't what they are, yeah, none of that happens. If North Dakota State doesn't roll, <clears throat> Iowa doesn't hire Gene Taylor, probably. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe they do. I mean, he was only like the deputy. He wasn't the AD. He was a lower level than what he was at yeah. North Dakota State. And he had a badge. He had a badge. His deputy. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I fell for it. (laughs) I don't know. That's, I mean, there's no answer, obviously, but. I I think the shortcut to that is, uh, I don't know about Gene Taylor, because keep in mind, they didn't hire him out of North Dakota State. They hired him out of Iowa. And a veteran AD who's a deputy at a Big Ten school, he still might have gotten his job. But without that win over K-State, is climbing stock that high? I think it's easy to say maybe Neil Brown's a coach here. Because maybe Bull doesn't go to Wyoming. And Kleiman doesn't get promoted. It's all very valid. I love playing hypotheticals. Hypothetically, I do. Because there's never an answer. It's also why I hate playing hypotheticals. (laughs) We can't answer the question. Top ten places Chris Kleiman could have coached if (laughs) if North Dakota State hadn't beaten Beaten K State. <laughs> Knew it. Go All right, I'll, I'll get I'll get on that this afternoon. <laughs> From 
Heard as Joe, first to six wins and first to ten wins. Les Miles, Neil Brown, Matt Wells, or Chris Kleiman? That's a good question. I think I think Neil Brown will be the first one to ten. Kleiman or Brown will be the first one to ten. But hold on, if they're the first one to get to ten, aren't they the first one to get to six? Not necessarily. No. You could get six wins and then just tank Uh, and then be the last to get to 10. Hmm. I would agree with that. I think Neil Brown would be the first to 10. Followed by Kleiman. I think 6 and 10. I think Wells... Wells, for me, is more questionable than Les Miles right now because I just don't know... Uh, It was a weird hire from the start. I'm questioning that hire. I don't know what he's about. I don't know who he's going to recruit. He's certainly not going to be Texas Tech of old. It's a weird situation, and I think Les Miles is going to flop. Or what if Matt Wells feels pressured into, well, we've got to throw it 100 times. <laughs> and he throws for even more yards? Than well, he's like, why did? didn't we try this at Utah State? <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, if if Neil Brown goes 8-4 and four at West Virginia and a program like LSU fires its coach or, you know, one of those SEC traditional teams, he's gone. He could get picked off. That was one of the reasons why K-State was a little hesitant on him, that they thought he wanted to be in the Deep South more than anywhere in the Big 12. And there's plenty of SEC teams out there that could be could be on that last leg, you know. Those, those schools fire coaches quicker than anybody should ever fire anybody ever. You know, people I don't think really appreciate what a dead heat it was between Neil Brown and Chris Kleiman for this job. I mean, it was literally a dead heat, and and the deciding factor was longevity. Who they thought would, if successful, would stay longer, and that was that was a no brainer to them. And I, I agree with them; it'd be climbing. Also, from her as Joe, which athlete of any sport could this summer benefit most? Well, it's easy to point to football and men's basketball and stuff, but I mean, I think the answer. I think it has to be Peyton Williams right I would now agree, yeah. because she's taking two foreign trips, one to play for Team USA in basketball, one to go to Brazil and play with the volleyball team. It's crazy. She's going to become an elite athlete this summer as if she isn't already. I, you know, both of those experiences will benefit her incredibly. I mean, playing at that elite level of basketball, but then getting exposed to the kind of the aggressive nature of Brazilian volleyball is going to be Really good for the entire volleyball program. And I think uh, it's more of a recruiting trip than anything. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see some Brazilians on the roster in the near future. I mean, I'm sure there's some trackster out there, too, that probably will benefit. I don't know. (laughs) I just am not educated enough in the track team. Or golf. The golf team lost lost the big one. Gandon's done. You're going to have to replace him. Well, off to France. <laughs> Go find another Jeremy Gandon. Uh, from I Like Pickles Cat, last question of whatever we're calling this. Of half. the game. Of, we're going to call it the game because yeah. we're combining the, of the both regular, entire match. It's regulation. <laughs> Not a ton of questions, so we combine the two halves into one. Do you expect a recruiting bump from Bruce Weber coaching the U19 team? I, I have doubts about that. Well... It's going to expose him to players, but are there players he's ever been in contention to get? No, not on this team. And that's why that's why I have to ask you guys, if you ask that question, 
what is your definition of recruiting bump? Are you asking, is he going to pick someone off of the team and have him come play for K-State? I, I don't think the answer is yes. I mean, I'm just looking at these guys. All the 2020 names that I am familiar with, they're not coming to K-State. And I don't mean that. I don't mean in a bad way at K-State. They're just, they're not coming here. They're going elsewhere. There, there are too many rungs of the ladder removed from K-State right now. And the other names on there are very questionable. I've never, I mean, I know K-State's not recruiting them. So I'm not looking at this roster and saying, oh, man, K-State's going to go after this guy while they're out there. I mean, will they push to try to get Caleb Love more interested? Sure, but guys, Duke's interested in Caleb Love. Everybody's coming after Caleb Love. He got a North Carolina offer the other day. He's going to be gone. Um so I don't think he's picking anyone. The big thing here, if you're Bruce Weber, is you have to show what you can do with this roster. Go win the gold medal or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't exactly. I'm not sure how it's all the tournament's all set up out there for this thing. But go win the thing or do really well at the thing. And then you can go into a recruit's house and say, look what I did with this team. Wearing your medal. Yeah, that too. Like like a medal nice. of freedom around your <laughs> outside your... Your necktie just hanging there. <laughs> you can you could point to it and say, when I have someone of your capability, when I have talented players like you and that guy and that guy, I can do some really special things, and you can help me get the ball rolling on that. Is that sales pitch going to work? I don't know. It, that's not really something I can speak confidently one way or another on. But I certainly think it can't hurt him. Um, oh, no. It's it's a nice it's a nice thing to have. You might get a bump, but it's going to be a. And let's let's be really blunt here. Any kind of bump where they get a a kid that they weren't going to get before would be incredible for the program because at this at thirteen scholarships, anything you win on the recruiting trail is significant, and they haven't won in this spring period, at all. So, I I don't think there'll be a huge bump, but if they go out and get a kid, uh, you know who. He's excited about the way he coaches. I think, I think when this thing's over, it's going to be over. You know, it's just mm-hmm. no recruits can go. Ooh, he did what? Yeah, but for example, I mean, R.J. Hampton's on this roster. He's going to be coaching him this summer, and something Bill Self doesn't get to say now. <laughs> True. But on a serious note, he like every like players with that capability, they're going to start doing what R.J. Hampton's doing. So. Let's get into that real quick. I, that was significant news. He's going to go to New Zealand and play. We still don't know the details of his contract. I'm really surprised more elite basketball players aren't doing this. His dad flat out said he doesn't have to juggle books and basketball. He's going to get paid to be paid to play basketball and not pretend to be a student because that's what you do when you're a one and done. You you just do the game. You just. You take enough classes to stay eligible. They're useless classes. The second semester, you know you're going to declare, so you're enrolled. But who cares if you flunk out? You don't have to stay eligible. You have to be eligible one semester of college. It's a flipping joke what's happened to college basketball because these one and dones. They have to correct that. And, and if these leagues are going to be paying a million dollars to a kid, Adidas ain't covering that, man. The the big thing is that he's not taking that, you know, he's not taking a, a small G League contract or anything. He's going to play overseas. And I think that, I don't think R.J. Hampton is the 
is the innovator of it or the guy that's going to get the ball rolling. But I certainly think he's going to push him in the right direction in terms of making this right and having Adam Silver say, the hell are we doing here? Just open up the draft. Because he'd be in the 2020 draft if he could be. He'd be he'd be going into the next year's class, and he'd probably be a lottery pick. There's no sense in having him play at KU. There's no sense in having him play at Texas Tech. There's no sense in having him play for the Sioux Falls Sky Force. He's going to go make some money. Someone's going to draft him fourth overall, and that'll be that. Is that really the team in Sioux Falls? Yes. That's where Roddy Magruder played. That's right. That's how he got his start, really. They are the Miami Heat's affiliate. Yeah. Yeah, because when I think of Miami, I think of Sioux Falls. Um, <clears throat> I I think we're going to see a lot of kids do this. And part of the reason is is because some kids got caught up in this whole NCAA thing. Sylvia D'Souza is one of them. It's, you know? I mean, that's yeah, a whole other topic. started on that. <clears throat> but he did have to sit out. He got caught up, and nobody wants that to happen. They want to play. They want to hoop. Get paid, go do it overseas, fine, stay out of the college game. I think the one-and-done era is nearly over, and it needs to be over because it hasn't benefited the programs that have used it. I mean, look at – someone's won a title here and there, but for the most part it hasn't worked out that way. Now, at the same time, I can argue for it. I don't think Zion Williamson would be the number one pick in the draft this year had he not gone to Duke because I think he built himself a stock. He built himself an empire. He was like the fifth. Now, I'm making it sound like he was a bad recruit. He was like third or fourth or fifth in the rankings before he went to Duke. And now he's undoubtedly the best player in, in college bat. Like, people missed on him. Yeah, I think I think he advanced so much from, you know, when they were measuring how good he was that he would have gone to the, you know, tryouts and whatever they have in the NBA. And people have gone, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Probably so. But I, I do agree. But he also could have done that by playing in Australia or New Zealand or Spain or whatever. That's why the it just needs to be open, you know. If you want to go to the draft, go to the draft. If you want to play in college for a year and then go to the draft, do that. I don't care what you want to do. Just, it's your damn life. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah, they just rules are silly. That was not a silly first half. It was a good first half. That was, that was a lot of knowledge. Oh, full game. Not first half. Oh, that's right. That was Regulation. Yeah. What do they call it in soccer? Normal time? Full time. Full time. That was full time right there. Okay. Now we're going to add a random amount of minutes that no, none of you get to know about. No, you you know. Until they add more. and they it's just a, It's just a minimum. There's a minimum of six questions on the overtime. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Firecat Podcast. Bunch of our friends will sell liquor, and that first half was sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill down in Agville. We'll be right back with the overtime on the Powercat Podcast from the WTC Gig Powered Studios. The Powercat Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. 
It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Auto-correct your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan. Online at FridgeLiquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now return to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, right here from the heart of downtown Manhattan, where we hope we stay above water. We're having meetings. Uh, Port D. Scott had to go to a, a meeting about downtown flooding possibilities while I was in Hawaii. I won that deal. This is, it's not. It's not pretty. It's probably not going to happen to downtown, but. Uh, the bags have been purchased. Now we just need the sand to fill them. It would be very Go Power ish if we build a fancy video studio and it floods. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how we how we block everything off because we have different buildings, units that can flood into our, you know, if, if the, the old Kerry Company building, which was a flooring company when we moved in to our south, Floods. We've got a connecting door, an interior door. So we'd have to block that off, which I don't know if it would work. You just need to get sandbags for the entire building and build an island. (laughs) Put an island all around the building. I've just chosen to ignore it. You know, if I don't accept that the flooding is happening, it won't happen. Well, my MVP is uh, our friend Toby, Absolute Purple on Twitter, because he built out the office here, and then I went on vacation, and he kept an eye on my house because we're on high ground, but we've got a foundation issue we need to address. And with the right amount of rain and the right direction of rain, we get our bar, uh, literally becomes a wet bar. <clears throat> it, it, it is a wet bar by bar standards, but it becomes an indoor pool. Did you have any flooding? Uh, nominal amount. Uh, we actually had flooding in a, before we left, and it's, it was kind of caught us off guard, and so we had to get that dried out, and then he had just a little bit of cleanup. But uh, we enough rain on the right angle, and we're screwed. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Manhattan is uh, in a dire situation, and we brought in our own expert on flooding for the overtime, uh, our own airplane expert, meteorology expert, uh, and apparently flooding expert, Zach Carlson, has joined us. I've learned a lot, <laughs> reading a lot. Now, Zach just learns stuff. Right, Riley? Yeah, and it scares the you-know-what out of me. Because he knows so like, much about this stuff, and you're like, what? Yeah, and he tries to explain it, and I think he does a good job of explaining it, but it's also way over my pay Give grade. me two years, and I'll be on Jeopardy, and I'll take down James. Because <laughs> <laughs> he will have racked up $10 million by then. Oh, it'll be more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put him on payroll. It's honestly, there, there guys, is, it's scary. There's a conspiracy theory he is on payroll. It's all a... 
all a big uh, ploy to get Alex Trebek's ratings really high before. I have not heard that. It's scary traveling with Zach, though. <laughs> he knows where everything is. And it's like, yeah, he used to go to school at Oklahoma State. And, yeah, he's driven to Texas a few times. But, like, you shouldn't know where everything is. You should have to use your GPS every now and then. I needed Zach to help me with booking of uh, – my seat selection on my flight from San Francisco to Dallas. I made a grave error. Did you pick the wrong plane? I upgraded to Exodile, but they were the fixed arms in the Exodile, and I think it was about a 15-inch seat. What? This is what flight? Uh, From San Francisco to Dallas. It was three across... On three on mm. each side okay. on the plane, but there's that one exit aisle where there's only two seats in the opening by the door. Yeah, was that the one you were in? Yeah, mm. but I have never been in a more narrow seat in my life. I'm a big dude, and I was miserable. My legs were going numb. I had to get up and move around like three times on a two and a half hour flight. What did we sit exit aisle, Riley? We sat exit aisle to uh, Salt Lake to Kansas City. Yeah, that's right. And that was pretty narrow. That wasn't very comfortable, wouldn't uh-huh. you say? Yeah, well, yeah I, I think that was kind of Delta's fault more than anything. Yeah. Their exit aisle wasn't great. Well, it was an old plane, too. <sighs> Did fly Hawaiian Airlines. How yeah. was that? They It was the most incredible airline experience I've ever had. Aside from the fact that they de- made de- you de- buy de- another one. <laughs> Define incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, they I won that fight. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I never got that update. Yeah, they... they. Uh, I told a lot of people that you, <laughs> you got screwed on that. <laughs> well, we ended up having to do the $200 change, which I, I understood that. We did have to change our flights, but uh, they refunded our... Because we'd upgraded to first class, and they were trying to say, we get to keep that money now. I'm like, no, that's not how life works. <laughs> I know you didn't use our service, but we're just going to take your money anyway. So they relented... Uh, and and on Scott, folks, uh, it makes me understand why when I get pissed off, I go to Twitter and bitch. Because it freaking works. Yeah. I could. I went absolutely nowhere doing it the right way, talking to the representatives. So I'm sorry, this is our policy. We keep the money. Well, that's a bad policy. Then you put that policy in the daylight on social media, and they look at you have 12,000 followers. They're like, we better do something here. Zach and I have to discuss this a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I have it. I call it a conspiracy theory, but if I ever have a giant company, I am hiring people specifically to check Twitter for complaints with people with more than, you know, a thousand followers. Like anybody who has any sort of pull or if they have a blue check mark, like you know that you've got to take care of them. You, you make it right. You make so it right. We got refunded our first class and put in the extra legroom and that was that was wonderful. Did and you we, get meals on that flight? Yeah, we did have a we did have a meal on that flight. Yeah. Nice. Um, it was just like pineapple a, chicken. Uh, I don't know. Well, pizza. That, <laughs> pizza. Uh, no, that, there was a morning flight. So we had like a, a big breakfast sandwich, like big, mm. big pineapple, big pineapple. <laughs> so, uh, Do they have TVs in the back of the seats. Yes. Yeah. Man, yeah, we're those, flying United out there. Long, long flights typically do though. I mean, our American flight coming in from uh, San Francisco to Dallas had that, but our exit aisle did not have that. Don't fly Southwest if you want a TV in your <laughs> yeah. seat. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, I have never seen flight attendants more happy to be on a plane and serve you than I did with Hawaiian Airlines. That's so weird. It was like a whole different vibe from the flight attendants. Are you telling me they didn't look like every 55-year-old retired mother of three <laughs> flight attendant ever? No, nope, they didn't. They all looked young, vibrant, and very happy to be doing their job. Although our flight attendants coming out back from Hawaii said, uh, our job is kind of weird because we work for Hawaiian Airlines, but we're based in L.A., so we fly every day to Hawaii. Oh, and hell back, no. And head back up in L.A. Hell no. <laughs> they probably take just, they pro- well... I guess that's a short enough flight that they can probably do I, it in. I didn't eight understand or nine that. Hours. The flight is five, five and a half hours, but they did. They came in from LA to Kona, and then they turned around with that flight and went back. So I'm wondering if they're not on a three day work week. Because you think by the time they have show up and by the time they get off the plane, they're work at a twelve hour work day. Yes. I think that technically their duty day, so to speak, is when the doors shut. So when the doors are shut on the plane, they're technically, cal- or I don't know how to put it, earning money, calculating time towards their day. And then once the doors open, it's, it's But done. I had made a bargain with my wife. If you were going to get my fat butt on a plane to Hawaii, I was going to do first class. And so I, I kind of worked the angles and got first class coming back. Um, and uh, now she never wants to fly anything but first class. Yes, we Good had, one there, Fitz. Yes, we had a meal, and it was amazing. Wow. I'll take a first-class ticket to Chicago. That's a 45-minute flight. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I, I'm you sorry, know. Becky. The Embraer 145 doesn't have first class. <laughs> I, uh, we, we finished off. She had wine, and I had a Mai Tai before we took off. Damn. So. See, you peed on the plane. <laughs> yes. And I was one. Uh, we were in the front row, so I was just one seat away from from the bathroom. <laughs> in my current situation, this was a calculation. Where are my seats related to? Guys, I've seen Fitz pee five times in a day. He drinks one bottle of water. He's getting up to pee every 20 minutes. I know he peed on that plane. <laughs> With my current situation, yes, it was a big concern, and there was there was literally uh, I had to pack just in case the worst happened. So, oh my God! Yeah, but that all went well. That was a big concern. But uh, I'm back in Hawaii. Should we ask these questions? Yeah, let's. let's How do we get going on? Here this? we go. This segment yeah, so is sponsored like we by. Said, it's it's a minimum of of six questions. <laughs> we're, we're adding extra time here, folks. We're sponsored by the high low here, and uh, I can't wait to get back in there. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And then I'll go do my other stuff. Boy, all right. Here we go. Questions from Wabash Station. From Big Sam. In light of the Mount Vernon, Texas school, bur- school, board, school board's chief, uh, his quote on the hiring of Art Bryles, and he, the quote is, We believe that he will be able to use his life experiences to teach our young people how to deal with hardships, grow through adversity, and develop strong character. Just exactly... What do you believe uh, art will teach the youth of Mount Vernon? I'm a big proponent of everybody deserves a second chance in life, and and I truly do believe that. I think that you kind of get one screw up, and, and hey, you know, if if you really have made a conscious effort to change yourself and fix that, you deserve a second chance. However, our browse deserves no second chances. After given everything that he did, everything we know he did, everything we still don't know he did, because I guarantee there's stuff that has not been exactly exposed to the public light. 
He doesn't deserve to coach junior high football in any state in America or any country on this planet, in my opinion. He should never be a football coach ever again, and I am sickened that a Texas high school football team is making him a head coach because I know what that leads to. I know that he's going to have tremendous success in a two- to three-year span, and I know that some little school, let's call it Temple, I don't know, I'm just the first team that came to my head, maybe Rice in the state, decides to hire Art Bryles, and then he climbs back in, and suddenly he's a Power 5 coach again. I know what's going to happen, and it makes me sick. So I don't really know what Art Bryles is going to teach him. Maybe how to be a scumbag. Here's, here's my problem with Art Bryles is it was bigger than the football program. I recognize that. What was going on at Baylor was uh, bigger than just the football program. It was a systematic, disgusting way the entire university was being around it. If, I, I don't understand how the school is still functioning because as a alumni, I would have been just horrified that my university did that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know why anyone would ever want to send a daughter to Baylor University ever again, knowing uh, the way they viewed the purpose of women. Um, but Art Bryles doesn't get to excuse it. Well, it wasn't just me. It was the whole university. You, you have to own the fact that your players were just sexual predators on campus, a large number of them. It wasn't one or two guys. It was a cultural thing at Baylor. And he never has. He, he just kind of wants to say, well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't know this was going on. You should have. These players are your troops. You're accountable for their behavior. They're under your watch. You weren't watching or you were looking away. <clears throat> I'm with you, Riley. You shouldn't coach again. You shouldn't coach again. Go go find a different way to make a living. Um, you know, I don't know what that'd be. But you shouldn't be around young people. I, I'm not sure how I'd react if I was a parent in, in the school district. If I had a kid who was a football player, honestly, I, I'd be really torn because... The guy is a good football coach. But the morality of it is is disgusting, and the comments by the superintendent are just, really. He, Look, guys, I can teach you because my players raped a bunch of girls. Uh, so I know about adversity. I had to overcome that. <laughs> what? I don't like, understand Put that this. into context, yeah. He was an awful person, and because of that, he'll teach you Good things. I had to overcome the fact that my players were rapey. And I did nothing about it. Yeah. Good. Texas high school football. My kid is transferring to Allen High School. and <laughs> Where he will be a number. Yep. He will be the third string right guard. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that Allen has enough numbers for players. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they probably make cuts. It's called tryouts. <laughs> um, from I like pickles cat Fitz. How was Hawaii? Oh man, <laughs> guys, the grin that just showed oh, up on Fitz's face. Honolulu sucked. I mean, our hotel—that's <laughs> comforting. <laughs> our, our hotel is—you got to do it. You know, you got to do the traditional Honolulu thing. Um, you know, stay on the beach there, and but it's it's a big city. It's traffic and towers, and yeah, it was okay. But it was it, we got in that way, and then we flew over to the Big Island. Um, <clears throat> we're we use some Hilton stuff, and 
our it was amazing. The Big Island was amazing, and there's like five ecosystems on this one island. It was incredible. Going up to 2,000 feet and seeing ranch land, rolling hills that almost looked like Kansas, except the the plant life was different. Almost looked like the Flint Hills, and there's cattle everywhere. Uh, biggest difference is off the distance. There's an ocean, but Incredible. The Big Island was incredible. We'll do some other islands in the future if we ever make it back. It's a, but I'm not. I don't like flying, as I mentioned, and I. That's a long ways. Well, I mean, when you come back, we left at 3 p.m. Hawaii time, which is 8 p.m. here, and we got in at. We landed in Manhattan at 10:30 a.m. So we did 14 and a half hours of flying overnight with no sleep. So that sucks. It throws you off. I mean, I, we came down to the office today. I got in at about 8 a.m., which, you know, is 3 a.m. Hawaii time. And I was just there three days ago. So you're going to – no, you should be crashing now. We we bridged the gap by waking up early. I mean, we were waking up at 6 a.m. and going to bed at 9 p.m. Mm. And really in Hawaii, things – when it gets dark, it shuts down. It's dark. I mean, they don't have big lights everywhere because you got to respect the wildlife. So they, it's dark. You can't see a darn thing. Hmm. The only bad experience we had was we were coming back from the other side of the island. We did the Volcano National Park, which is like being on the moon. And uh, we came around the tip of the island going from the east coast to the west coast. And we were in winding mountain roads at night in traffic. You know, two lane highways. It was white knuckle. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's but it's it's beautiful. People are beautiful. People are wonderful. Wonderful. So uh, I would encourage anyone to do it. And and uh, I had never heard much about the Big Island, but I am now a big fan of the Big Island, which is the, technically the Hawaiian Island. So good. good. I got to figure out this sleep schedule thing for when we go though. Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest thing you do for your sleep schedule is stay up late before and go to bed early when you arrive. I think I'm good at both of those. Because when when you're in Hawaii, you want when the sun comes up, you want to make the most of your time. Right. It's the opposite of Las Vegas. You know, you want just enough pool time during the day to recover, but you want to enjoy the nightlife. Hawaii, it's all about daytime. In fact, you know, people have said some of the other islands things close at six. We were trying to eat at a restaurant that was recommended, and we couldn't get there before 7.30, which is when they closed. They closed on a Saturday, on a Friday night at 7.30. Wow. So just different lifestyle. From Jim Cat, what are the financial arrangements of the ESPN Plus uh, agreement versus K-State HD TV? Will, we, the pay, will the payoff grow as this becomes the mini Big 12 network, and has KSU not released any details? They have not, and nobody has. Essentially, though, the one thing that made the Big 12 unique was keeping your Tier 3 TV rights. They have eight of the ten schools have surrendered those Tier 3 rights. That's... They've given those DSPN, not given. They've sold them to ESPN. We don't know the amount of money, but obviously it was, you know, financial security. It might have been a set amount where they didn't have to worry about it. Oklahoma and Texas have retained their rights at least for now, guys. I still suspect that ESPN is making a move that when the Longhorn Network expires, they're going to flip that to the Big Twelve channel. I just feel Has like it's be. coming. It's got to be what's up here. Um, and that's still a ways off. 
I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and I think this is part of a bigger play, <clears throat> that there's, th- this will be part of the next realignment, and the Big 12 will survive because of this. Uh, when the Pac-12 turned away from ESPN, ESPN said, okay, we're coming after your schools. Um, and, and I think that's what the next play is, is that some of the Pac-12 will be absorbed by the Big 12. But some people don't like. I kind of like it. I think it opens up a <clears throat> a possibility of of really unique exposure for the conference. But it also really emphasizes the West Virginia problem. If you're moving into the Pacific time zone, you can't have someone in the Atlantic time zone unless you go full bore into 16 schools, which I don't see them doing because that's what I want at this point. If there's ever a conference that includes a California team and West Virginia. I will lose my you-know-what. Well, you know, if if you do it right, you can limit that to, you know, one trip a year. Um, I still, that's too much. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Don't, at that point, what's the point of conferences? Just 12 games, open, schedule what you want. See, I see the move more as a technology move. You go to ESPN, you don't have to pay for your own platform really anymore. You put it on the ESPN app. You don't have to deal with people trying to get your game on a television. You know, you just watch ESPN and there you go. I know. Um, it's it, a move into the digital. It makes it easier. I think it's a, a move that makes it better for fans. And I think it saves, it probably saves those eight schools money trying to maintain their own online network that wasn't, I don't know how to put it. It wasn't like they were using YouTube as their, their broadcasting. The problem system. is, is ESPN surely made promises about their ability to stream because they have failed that first weekend of the year when everyone is trying to stream their game because it's a, you know, it's a game that isn't on the broadcast mm-hmm. entities and ESPN has failed with that. Mm-hmm. They've had serious issues. So they've got to figure that out. And I can't believe they haven't figured that out. You're ESPN for God's sakes. Well, ESPN plus I think is strengthening that to an extent. I think, and that's, that's what's going to really upset people is that they're going to have to start in probably in the next five years. You're going to probably have to have a subscription to X whatever service in order to watch K-State football. And you're not going to be happy because you're going to have a cable bill on top of that. And you're going to be saying, why do I have to pay two things to watch K-State? And this, It's just the way the world's moving right I'm now. I'm telling you, though, in the long run, you're going to be happy about this. Yes. You're going to be happy if eventually all the games are on an entity such as ESPN, and they all will be able to – you'll be able to get them via streaming. So you will not have to have an antenna. You will not have to have a cable subscription. You will be able to stream these games uh, whenever you – you know, whatever they're doing. You'll, you'll be able to watch them. That's, that's where this is heading. Cable is going to die. It's just the, the expense of, of having a cable package uh, is is really getting difficult for people when you can select what you want to stream. they People have been screaming for a la carte, you know, uh, choices on cable, and cable's like, no, we're not going to do that. Well, fine. I, I feel like that's basically what newspapers said when everyone was saying, well, you have to do digital, you have to go online. And they were like, no, we don't have to do that. We're printing. <laughs> it's the same thing all over again. The day that blackout <clears throat> restrictions get lifted on MLB TV, NBA, you know, all of that. That's just an archaic thing that has once, to stop. Once that goes away, that <clears throat> will be the true beginning of the end of sports and cable right i think i agree um 
from Wildcat Pilot 88. Is the studio in potential danger of flooding of waters to be released as in 93 from Tuttle Creek? Uh, Could. Yeah. Well, you were the only one familiar enough with the releasing of it. Yeah. I mean, it has to take a catastrophic incident. Um, and certainly we're getting closer to that. Uh, and it has stopped raining. It's supposed to rain some today, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday. But, you know, but it's really about the water coming into the system from the north. Still, you know, water that's flooded up there is getting back in the banks and then it has to go somewhere and it comes here. So uh, the Tuttle Creek is still rising. It's getting very close to to coming over what they need to start releasing more water. But now I defer to our flood expert, Mr. Zach Carlson. Just combine those two questions. Yeah, the other question was from Canelio. And does the potential flooding situation around Tuttle Creek resemble anything close to the beginnings of the 93 flood? And remember, I was only like six months old, nine months old. It's no excuse, Zach. When I was in 93, so I really don't remember the flood there. But everything I've read um, talked about the flooding that the Kansas River really experienced then. And then even like the Blue River Channel between the dam and the Kansas River being flooded, you know, previous to them releasing water. So um, the fact that there's no flooding there, it seems better right now, but it's only May. And that mm-hmm. happened in July. So you've got two months where it could still really rain and make it a lot worse. Um, but at least for now, it doesn't seem as bad. I think it's kind of strange that the Corps of Engineers doesn't seem to be caring much about catastrophic flood issues right now. They seem like, oh, everything's fine. The dam's doing what it's doing. Like, everything's cool. But we're two feet away from pretty much two feet away from the top of the gates where they absolutely have to open up the emergency spillway. I think they'll start releasing water from the tubes today, which if, you know, they'll try matching the inflows to the outflows there, but, uh, or the outflows to the inflows, but if they don't do anything, if it keeps going up, they'll have to, they'll have to open up the gates. My nerd question is, you know, I saw a picture of the spillway that is, or excuse me, the tubes that's under construction. They've been rebuilding that yeah. for a while. And the, the photo I saw, they had new retaining walls that hadn't been backfilled. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy cow, what happens? They start releasing water and those walls aren't supported. They keep saying that everything's fine. They still have full capability or whatever. I don't think they're telling the whole truth there. I feel like they're Kevin Bacon in Animal House. They're Can standing, I? Standing in the middle of a stampede. All right. Don't grill me if this is a stupid question. It's fine. I'm not familiar enough with the science of dams and releasing water. Watch your language. (laughs) Okay. Would it not make more sense in an area like, like, couldn't they release water way earlier in the year at times and kind of like prevent this? Have you, have you looked at Oklahoma? Well, everything goes somewhere. Hang on. So the target release point for Tuttle Creek is at Waverly, Missouri, and that's the Missouri River um, where it bottlenecks the most between Manhattan and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So that's their target point that they're using for um, when to release water, and that's currently really flooded. So until that goes down to where, you know, and it's not just Tuttle that's on the Kansas River and that whole system that needs to release water. You got, you know, the lakes in Lawrence, they're filling up once each of these lakes i mean they were built for flood 
flood flood prevention. Um, once they can't hold any more water, they they'll release them without regard to down downstream conditions. So it's really oh. so. <laughs> They're only going to release water at this point, but like when even, even everything's like in the summer, be when it's like everybody's like, "Oh man, we need some rain because it's really dry out here." They couldn't just they couldn't just release some then. Well, I mean that's not really ago. that's not really what you can't just put water through a river and it's magically not in a drought anymore. I know, I, I mean, I know that I'm trying to oversimplify this thing. It's just it. The way I keep what I keep going back to is everybody's like, oh man, this is like the flood in '93 again, and I'm like, shouldn't you guys have taken notes? Been like, hey, this is what we need to do different this time. Well, it's like, but it, but it's a different, but it's a different situation. Like that was three weeks of rain that it went from basically normal, you know, normal levels up to flood levels. This was like most of this was melted snow from Nebraska in March that flowed in, and then it kind of got it got you know, up high. And that was even before the rainy season. And then April was pretty dry, relatively speaking until May hit. And then you had a lot of rain and it started going back up. And then you had rain elsewhere, um, downstream from, from Tuttle that made them, Hey, we just need to fill up the lake. Basically. If you release water, it has to go somewhere. And those right. areas are already flooded. Okay. <clears throat> so you make their issues worse, but you, if you're, how do I say this? If you're staying, if you're in a flood zone, you know, if you're in a flood plain, uh, whether it be farmland or a, a low-lying town, I'm sorry. That's This is what comes with it. Uh, you can't fill up the dam to the point where a city such as Manhattan gets devastated by floodwaters because this is this is how it's supposed to be handled. You know, you shouldn't have, you know, the biggest fear right now would be an earthquake oh, with the yeah. pressure that's on that dam. <laughs> I mean, then then most of the city of Manhattan is flooded and, and a lot of lives are probably lost because it's literally a dam breaking. So, you know, I think the Corps has done a really good job here of managing this and communicating, and the city has too. I feel like they're preparing people. Like, like we mentioned, there was a meeting about flooding in downtown Manhattan, so... We've kind of taken initial steps, and we'd have to get sand. But we will, if if it continues, we will bring in sand, and we will have a a bagging day here at the office to seal off the back doors and the side doors, and put a dam out front so that uh, maybe we can survive, you know, a, a foot of water or less. Again, I'm oversimplifying it. I don't yeah. understand that it's, much, and it's frankly, I'm a little scared because I'm. Living in a flood zone, I'm moving into a flood zone. Like, everything's not going great right now. So I'm just like, hey, could we stop with the flooding? That'd be great. The thing is, though, if downtown has water, that, that really means that the dam or the levees on the Kansas River failed. Right. Then That's what that means. Our sandbags aren't going to do much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to matter much. But it's still early. Like, it might seem different than 90 like i think it's different than 93 just because the water source wasn't really all rain and we're still got a ton of rain to come it's basically rain in the forecast you know most of the days in the 10-day forecast um but the, the the time we had problem would have been i don't even know what year it was in early 2000s when we were in our new house um and we're on high ground as i mentioned but uh the city's entire rain the drainage system backed up. 
so there was so much rain for a long period that, uh, and the city has done a good job of replacing a lot of pipe in the town. There's much bigger handling areas now and redoing downtown around that whole drain area around Walmart. That wasn't cosmetic. That was meant for flooding. So yeah, we've got a drain on our back porch, which is low lying, but it drains off the water. Well, there was no place for the water to go. So it backed up on our back porch, backed up on our, our, our door about two feet high. And then in, and it just seeped into the house. <sighs> Nothing you can do at that point. So, uh, I think the city's done a pretty good job of, preparing for this and they've done a great job communicating so uh the biggest problem that that manhattan suffers from is they have built too much stuff on the floodplain of wildcat creek there's no place for the water to go except higher and you build a parking lot the water will go higher you build a department building the water will go higher you have built things on top of where the water wants to go and soak in. And going back to 93, there's much more construction over there than what was there during that flood. You have a middle school that wasn't there. You have how, tons of houses that that changed the, the way the flood maps would be. So if, if you're looking at a flood map from 93, it's probably worthless. You're going to have to mm-hmm. see what it does this year if, if it happens. Go but team. If anybody wants to help me move out, um, my email is Riley. <laughs> you should contact me. You could use a truck. It's just, just Riley. Just Riley. <laughs> just email Riley. Just, you know where to find me. Come on now. <laughs> Last question of the podcast is from I Like Pickles Cat. At a cookout slash potluck situation, what food are you making sure to load up on and what are you passing on? It's kind of funny because I'm going to be honest with you, the only potlucks I've ever been at, was our uh, end-of-the-year high school awards banquet type thing where every family brought something because, you know, it's not not a big school, so everybody brings something. And they didn't – how do I put this nicely? A lot of the families in our school didn't exactly do a whole lot of cooking for this event. It was more like a lot of people got some pizzas. A lot of people went to the store and got fried chicken. A couple people might make a lasagna. So, like – it wasn't a meal where I could be like, oh, I will have the lasagna, and then I will take some mashed potatoes. It was like my meal was four or five main courses. Those were the potlucks I grew up on. So I don't exactly have a good answer, but, like, any main dish, really. <laughs> if it's store-bought, like a pizza or a fried chicken, you go for it. Right. That's that's my that's I'm that's with my you, thing. man. I don't want I don't want to I be don't, an experiment here. I, I don't want if you make mac and cheese, I'll do anything if for you. If you see five if you see five crock pots and it's all pulled pork, you skip. You're not <laughs> you're not on a pulled pork adventure here. <laughs> make one pulled pork sandwich with all five in it. If you make some meatballs, I'll try those. But for the most part, I'm gonna play it pretty safe on a potluck. I'm a sucker for mac and cheese. That's mm. not a bad thing to be a sucker for. I'll do anything for some mac and cheese. Oh, there we go. Uh, there we go, folks. What do you What do you bring to a pot, potluck, though? What's your go-to to bring? My mom likes to try to be the one that doesn't buy from the store. I'm like, Mom, make it easy on yourself. Chips is my go-to. Oh, you're my aunt. <laughs> I usually bring vodka. Makes me really popular with the kids. What kind of potlucks are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, it's been a long time since I've been to a potluck. Seriously. I don't know. My mom brings like cheesy potatoes. 
I, I would appreciate that. It's pretty good. I'd probably bring Cox Brothers and everyone would love me. You couldn't bring it. You'd eat it all before it got there. Well, there's that, too. I want to be rich enough one day to where I can bring Cox Brothers to a potluck. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> bringing a plate of chicken nuggets. Gosh. 50 bucks. <laughs> hey, I don't have to cook anything. Yeah, no doubt. Be pretty good. Well, that was a uh, podcast. For I think that night. was the weirdest <laughs> podcast we've ever done. Well, we haven't usually done podcasts this time of year. Yeah, this is fair. kind of a new area. Folks, I want to touch on something before we close up the podcast. I meant to mention this at the top of the podcast. Uh, and before I get into this, thanks to The Fridge. Thanks for WTC, Hilo, and, uh, of course, Tanners. Thanks to all those guys uh, and gals that help us sponsor this thing. We're going to be moving to a new platform. Um, and we are on the forefront of a new uh, podcast network that is being set up by 24-7 Sports. We're one of the first sites they're going to be moving over. 24-7 Sports has entered an agreement with the online entity. Um, I'm, I don't think I'm free to mention who that is right now, but it is a, a major podcasting platform that offers a lot of advantages to uh, national presence, you know, big, big things that are moving over to this. It's a whole new type of podcasting and the way things are presented. And for example, you know, right now our ads are embedded. We will be removing all recorded ads from our podcast. Uh, and there will be, I'm not sure what the technology is, if it's a toner or what, and an ad will play for you that will be based on your interest. And every time you listen to the podcast, you might get a different ad. If you listen to the podcast from three years ago, you're going to get a current ad. It's almost it's going to be just like television. It's a really cool technology. And there's a lot of other things that go with it. <clears throat> so we're going to be changing the way that we get the podcast to you, and I think we're going to be improving the podcast as we get into some uh, more podcasts during the week with uh, uh, guests, and and uh, probably recruiting will cover that a little bit more on podcasts. We're going to do some cool stuff, uh, and I'm still playing with the idea of a pregame podcast and how to present that maybe in a real mean and lean format. So there's some big changes coming. We'll keep you abreast of those changes, but they will be moving us over to this, migrating us to this new platform in the very new future. So the way you've received the PowerCat podcast might be changing, and we've got some hurdles to clear ourselves. We'll keep you up on that, but it's going to be a big, important change for us as a, as a company and for 24-7 Sports, which is part of CBS Interactive. Uh, and it's all a big play by CBS Sports. So it's exciting times, and that is the end of this week's podcast. We'll be back in the near future. Should we just say that? Why not? I don't, I don't know. Me, as I go through there. Uh, we, we, uh, we didn't have a ton of questions this week. I get it. It's fine. Cool. Everyone's got stuff to do here in the summer, including us. And uh, we'll, we'll see when uh, we put up questions. If we get enough, we'll do a podcast. Because we're here for you. Keep visiting uh, GoPowerCat.com. D. Scott Fritchin's incredible countdown continues. This thing is amazing. What is he? Is he in the 50s now? Is he, he's, in terms of writing it? Yeah. He's damn near done. Oh, my God. He's damn near done. He might be done, actually. And the countdown started 99 days before kickoff. I'll go right up to kickoff. And he is, I don't know what he's going to do all summer. He's going to drive himself crazy. Find more series to write. As it for the Powercat Podcast, we appreciate you being part of the GoPowercat.com family. We will talk to you real soon. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.